You're listening to Brave and Boss, the podcast. I am so excited about this week's episode. It's called How to Turn Relationships into Revenue. And we're talking old school tactics on this episode. So if you're running an online business and you're feeling like your website or your customer experience is a little bit too impersonal, then this is a must listen episode. Today's guest is awesome. And I can't wait to share this interview with you. Welcome to Brave and Boss, a podcast for the purpose-driven founder who wants to grow their e-commerce business. I'm your host, Christy Sumer. I'm the CEO and founder of the Ethical Fashion Line Encircled, a conscious business coach and passionate about helping you break through your limits and build a brand that matters. Let's do this. Welcome back to another episode of Brave and Bossed. I'm your host, Christy Sumer, the founder and CEO of the Ethical Fashion Brand Encircled, Proud dog mom, podcast host, business mentor, and I'm super excited to have you back listening to the podcast. This week, we have a great interview. This was definitely one of my favorites that I've done so far, and I felt like I could have talked to today's guest for hours and hours. So let me, before I get into an intro about her and her experience and talk a little bit about the episode, I just want to touch on a few things. So at air date, this should be coming out towards the end of July um, into August. You may be listening to it. So, you know, there's a lot going on right now in digital marketing that is very disruptive. So something that I want to talk about before I get into this episode a little bit is what's happening with return to work and the reopening of the world and that impact on e-commerce. So I've definitely seen that there's been a shift in traffic and Facebook ads have been really topsy-turvy right now. The cost of acquisition has gone up massively and cost per impressions have gone up and cost of, you know, return on ad spend has gone down. And this is very stressful for e-commerce brands. So if you're experiencing this right now, I feel you and you are not alone you definitely want to hop on over and join our free Facebook group, facebook.com slash brave and boss. And that will get you to the brave and boss entrepreneurs community. And over there, we talk all about strategies to build a following in a community and get sales, not just on Facebook, Facebook's important, but on other channels as well. And really this topsy-turviness in paid ads has made me think about tactics that previously, you know, I would have used potentially Maybe they weren't as scalable or perhaps maybe they fell off the wire a little bit and there's an opportunity to revisit them and do them differently this time around. So today's guest is very timely because we're going to talk about some quote unquote old school sales techniques. So this is things that like, you know, won't probably scale in your business, but if you're selling a high value product or you have VIP customers who you can talk to and reconnect with and retain, these types of tactics can be absolutely invaluable to your business. And there's also no cost to testing them. So that's what I love about this guest, Kathleen Cutler. She's super approachable. She is a luxury sales expert for high-end brands and holds the key to turning affluent browsers into ready-to-buy clients who keep coming back for more. So she comes from a decade of experience in the jewelry industry and has really honed her skills with seven-figure brands to combine the conveniences of modern technology with the power of old-school relationship building. The results? Repeat clients, abundant referrals, and a solid business foundation that prevents sales from slipping through the cracks. 
So on today's episode, we're talking all about turning relationships into revenue. So let's get into it. I am so excited to welcome today's guest to the show. Please join me in welcoming Kathleen Cutler, luxury sales expert. Welcome Kathleen to Brave and Boss. It is so good to be here, Christy. I am so thrilled to share my insight from the luxury side of things with your product-based people. I am excited to have you too. And we were just having a small sidebar conversation because we've actually met in a previous life through B-School. So I know a little bit about you from back then, but why don't we start off with an intro? Like, who are you? What do you do and why? Sure. So I'm a luxury sales expert and I specifically work with high-end jewelry brands. And I have been in the jewelry industry for over 10 years. I have a degree from the Gemological Institute of America as a graduate diamond grader. And I actually started making jewelry. So I started as an apprentice sitting on the jeweler's bench making jewelry. And what I really discovered was I actually liked selling it a lot more. So on the weekends, I would actually sell the jewelry in the stores that I made the jewelry for. And that's when it really hit me that I loved the relationship element. I loved selling engagement rings and keeping in touch with people. And then I went on to antique and estate jewelry. And that's when I really found that I love developing these relationships. And especially in that field, collectors become collectors, right? Someone who loves jewelry really loves jewelry. Someone who loves your product typically really loves that product. So I've spent the last five years moving away from Facebook ads. So that's what Christy and I were talking about where we met when I was doing more digital advertising. And while we do still use that strategy with a few of our clients, what we really focus on is luxury concierge style of doing business. So really knowing those top 20% of your clients, knowing their tastes and being a human, right? Not necessarily automating everything in your business, but having that human touch. So I feel so passionate about this topic and I'm so excited to chat. Yeah, this is so interesting to me because I'm trying to remember the book and maybe you've read it, but there's some book in the startup space. I feel like it was Seth Godin, but I'm not 100% sure, who talks a lot about like doing things that don't scale just to try them. Because I think we get a little bit obsessed sometimes with automation and like, I love a good automated, you know, Clavio email flow that you don't have to touch and you can kind of put, set it and forget it to a certain extent and it can generate revenue for your business. But I think for you, we're going to be talking more about things that, you know, there's a little bit more of human interaction and therefore maybe they're not as immediately scalable, but they could deliver a really high return on investment for the time spent. So tell me a little bit more about this type of selling and what it really entails. So I love, Christy, that you brought up that it's really both and, right? We need these automated systems in the back end, the Clavio, the abandoned carts, But we also need to think through a little bit more of old school, what in the jewelry industry and other high-end industries we call clienteling, which is really about identifying those individuals, like for you, Christy, like those people who buy again and again, and really letting them know if a new product is going to be coming out or a new colorway is going to be coming out. And it really is about starting to identify those frequent flyers, whatever those people are. If you sell candles, the people who buy a candle every few months, identifying them and starting to cultivate that one-on-one relationship with them. And it can be, you know, if you're a restaurateur, it's really identifying who are those people that come again and again, and how can I actively invite them in and have it feel like a two-way relationship? Again, we work with clients who sell 
$48,000 pieces, $100,000 pieces, $10,000 pieces, even $5,000 pieces. So for them, each person that buys is so, so important. But even if you aren't at those price points, I always say, just take away a zero and whatever price point you currently are in, this strategy really, really works um, where you do identify those top clients and you start to build out a concierge style program with them where they get special perks. Again, it's not hugely scalable, but because when you look at it from the ROI perspective, as you've said, it is very huge return on investment from your time. And typically these strategies don't cost a lot of money. So you're investing your time, your staff's time, and the referrals that come out of this, the repeat business is just phenomenal. Yeah. It's so interesting because at Encircled, we actually had put in place a couple of years ago, uh, clienteling. And I don't know, we had picked it up from a luxury retail brand. So I hired somebody in customer love, which is our version of customer service who worked at a luxury retailer. And she was telling me that this is something very common that they do. They call customers or email them individually. And I was like, wow, that's so interesting. Like they're top customers. And so we started doing it for a while. And then the pandemic, it fell off quite a bit. I would be honest, because we were just prioritizing people otherwise to spend their time. But I know that it was something that was really successful for a while. Um, really just focusing in on that niche group of customers. It's, you know, the 80, 20 rule, like those 20% of customers that are driving like about 80% of your business and really providing them a catered experience. So I don't know if I was doing clienteling right, but I would love to hear like basically like an example, maybe you can give us of either maybe one of your clients or some, a process that people could implement that would result in like a clienteling like experience and what that might look like tactically. Sure, Christine. And I love that you have some experience with this and we're able to see some results from it. So I'll just, you know, really use your business as an example. But one thing you could do is if you look through your client list and you identify that, you know, Sally is buying very frequently or is referring a lot of people to you, whatever you determine, we like to call them EICs. So extremely important collectors. So as you're determining who these EICs are, it's, is that 80-20 rule, you'll end up with, you know, 20% of your clients on this list. We always recommend looking at those top 10 to 20. So you have a fairly manageable, you know, VIP EIC type of client base and really starting to regularly keep in touch. So we have a strategy that we teach, which is after they make a purchase, we encourage you to keep in touch every quarter. So about every three months, you're sending a personalized email. It could be following up on the last purchase they made. It could be asking them, you know, what their next purchase is going to be, or as you, you know, as you're releasing something new, you think they would like introducing that. And also with these people following them on social media. So it feels very two way. So especially, you know, if you're a travel type of company, you can see where they're traveling. You can elicit some of that user generated content as well. So when we can have that regular cadence, where about every three months or so we're proactively reaching out to them not always about, in our case, jewelry and in your case, um, clothing, but it could be about travel. It could be about these different ways that you have connected beyond just the physical product that you're selling. And we have found that it's so incredible because the person on the other end feels like, oh my gosh, I'm not just another number. Uh, Seth Godin says, you know, we can't out Amazon, Amazon. So why even try? So when we can introduce a clienteling program like this, 
it does allow us to, you know, even though it's not scalable in, you know, the Amazon way or in that highly automated way, what we've really found is people are craving the human connection right now. So integrating a process and program like this can be so, so beneficial. Yeah, I love that you shared something that our listeners can really take and activate in their business. I think one of the things for sure that we did wrong in circles, we were speaking to too many people. So yeah. it became a little overwhelming. And then what happened was we weren't actually doing it frequently enough. And the data management of it, I think, was interesting. So I'd love to hear um, a little bit more about systems and stuff like that. So we can talk about that next a little bit. But before I jumped into that, I want to get your opinion on this. So this is a little bit of a wild card question, but what is your opinion on offering a discount to these type of customers? Do you feel like they are likely to repurchase anyways? So that's like a waste of money. Or do you feel like some sort of discount or value add can be like a real beneficial tool to use in these situations? It's such a good question. And now we're touching on something I love to talk about, which is affluent client psychology. And a lot of the time, you know, and again, we're working with different zeros with a lot of our jewelers, but a lot of the time, the most affluent among, you know, their EICs, their extremely important collectors don't even use the coupon code. So I really think that what you are saying, Christy, is that they typically will buy again and couponing lots of times, you know, if we really think about who that affluent buyer is, they typically have more money than they do time. So lots of times that going back to find the coupon just isn't going to be in their flow. So I don't think necessarily that you need to be giving away a coupon or a certain percentage off. I do think that everyone loves a little gift. So that is the direction we push our clients. Again, we're working at a quite a high end of the market. So discounting while it happens, we definitely don't encourage it and we don't want it to become expected, but gifting is always really, really fantastic. So, you know, on a year anniversary of someone celebrating your year with you, you could give a little gift. You could identify a few things in your product line that are quick to ship are easy and send it with a handwritten note. But Christy, I love that you brought up that a mistake you might've made was having too many people on that list. And that really is, we want to start to identify really these top people that we can cultivate a one-on-one type of relationship with. We love to do handwritten notes. So we're, because we're working and teaching our clients to work so intimately with their clients, we're gathering anniversary dates, birth dates, handwritten notes. These different types of things can really go so, so far but it has to be with a kind of small corralled group of people. Yeah, that's so interesting. I think we originally had an intent to kind of go there and then it just expanded and expanded. (laughs) And one of the things that happened in my business with that specifically was that the data management became a little bit unruly because somebody was using a Google sheet. Um, You know, it was static information, so it wasn't updated or they didn't have a process, let's say around updating it. So Oftentimes, you know, they would send out emails and nobody would know if somebody was emailed or not. And so we found it like a little bit tricky to manage it. What are kind of some of the core tools and systems that you recommend for and processes, I guess, for managing a clientele strategy? Sure. It's a really great question, Christy. And we've actually developed, we worked with a development team and developed our own piece of software to manage clientele at this level which basically creates these reoccurring tasks. So after you've sold a piece to what we identify as that EIC level, 
you're reminded over the next year what to reach out to and also what to say. So you can, it's a template. We like to call it personalized automation. So you're being reminded with a template, but then you put in that one line of, you know, it was great, you know, hey, Sally, I hope your dog, you know, Chester is doing well. So all of a sudden it becomes really personalized and that's something a Clavio just can't do, right? Where it really does need to be that type of person who is communicating. So that's a totally custom CRM system that we've built. But I think in general, a tool that's really important if you want to utilize a clienteling, this high-end, high-touch type of system is you need a CRM. You need some way and some place to manage this data. There's quite a few out there. You know, you can use add-ons for Google. A lot of our clients really successfully use HubSpot. We personally have developed our own proprietary CRM on Airtable, which integrates with quite a few different things. So there are a lot of different things, but as you said, the more dynamic it can be, the better. And a great way, if you aren't ready to step into a more robust CRM, is to have a small group of people and really set aside the time to do this. We find that this is often like the very first thing to fall off someone's plate. But when we actually look at the numbers, it's sometimes sending that one email. You know, I've had clients send five emails and make $10,000. I've had clients send one email and make $43,000, pick up the phone and sell a $48,000 Sapphire. So it really is the more we can prioritize this human connection we really do see a huge increase in profitability. That makes so much sense to me. And thank you for sharing those helpful tools. I mean, I definitely don't think Shopify and a Google Sheet are enough. (laughs) So HubSpot, Airtable, all those kinds of tools and systems, I think are really helpful to our listeners who, you know, may have some of those luxury products in their lineup, but they also maybe have an average order value of $200 or maybe $100. So these are tactics that you can use at any level. Like we have some customers that Encircled who, you know, I think we have one customer last year who spent $25,000 with us. And if I looked at her on a transaction basis, I'd be like, well, she, you know, she's a frequent purchaser for sure. But when I looked at her gross volume of purchases, I was like, wow, this is like a top, top customer that we want to um, really focus on. And it's really funny because one of our customers early on, who was like a really great customer of ours, who still is, she actually emailed us once when she was coming to Toronto and she's like, I'm going to pop by the studio. And we like bought champagne for her and like appetizers and like pop bottles when she came in because we were so excited. And, you know, my team thought that was like so ridiculous and overdone, but I was like, this is like somebody who's been like supporting our business and, you know, buying everything we launch and cheering us on, on social. Like we want to celebrate them too. And champagne's only like $50 a bottle. If it's a good one, a decent one. So, and I think she really appreciated the like experience and feeling like a celebrity coming into our studios. So I feel like you can execute this as deeply as like a really extensive strategy or use kind of a few one-off tactics to make people feel really special and valued. A hundred percent. I love that you just identified that when you really look, and this is what I encourage you to do. This is the very first step is truly spend some time with your numbers and identify those people. Because as you said, Christy, if it's just looking at one-off, you know, purchases here and there, okay. Yeah. She's a good customer. But when you really add it up, that's phenomenal that she's really buying at that level. And I think that there's so many ways to just proactively keep in touch. But as you said, you can send flowers in the mail, you can send gifts to their children. Like the more you get to know your clients on that, like one-on-one basis, 
the more fun I think it gets to do business as well. I mean, we love having streamlined, automated businesses, certainly, but the more we can really understand who those EICs are and start to develop those relationships, they become really, as you said, our brand ambassadors. They can, you know, cheer us on in person or on social, but they can also become these megaphones of referrals and they refer everyone your way. So that would be a great example of someone you could invite on to do a live video with you on IG or someone you might want to fly out the next time you do a brand ambassador or a brand video. Like it really is the more we can identify these people and really keep in touch. That's what I think is the wave of the future. Like I really do believe that concierge style of doing business We can't do that with everyone because as you said, that's not very scalable, but when we can identify those people who really move the needle tremendously from a monetary standpoint, but also from a referral standpoint, that's when I'm obsessed with this idea because it's so effective. I think it can also become a big differentiator. So like one of the things that happened in the last year plus is that so many new businesses popped up online and in one sense, and there was so much adoption of online shopping more than ever before. And that was really great, but also it means more competition for online retailers who were in the space before. So if you're trying to find a way to differentiate, or maybe potentially you had a retail store as well pre-pandemic, and maybe you're reopening it or not, this is a great way to bring that kind of in-person experience online as well, you know, where you're not just like a number or like an automated email. You start to really build those relationships with customers to one-on-one. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about this relationship building. So I know that like you call yourself a luxury sales expert. So obviously there's some selling involved in this. And oftentimes I hear from my listeners that they don't feel like they're good at sales. They feel pushy when selling. They don't want to be a bother. How do you coach business owners on getting over that fear and to sell basically without like selling? What are some tips there? I love the question, Christy. And that's something that our clients often come to us feeling like they don't want to come across as salesy, especially as we're asking them to go into their networks and really keep in touch with those people. And what we really love to emphasize is that you're a celebrity to your clients. For our clients who are jewelers, you could be the only jeweler your clients know. And what they, what you are saying to them, and especially if they've purchased something with you, they're always thrilled to hear from you and thrilled to have this relationship. We have a three-step process. If reinvigorating what we call legacy leads or legacy clients, where you haven't worked with them in a little while, which is we always want you to start talking about them first. So we never want to go in with a, Hey, I have a discount code for you or, Hey, buy this thing, but we really want to connect on something of mutual interest. So this is where really having it be a fairly small pool of people. And, you know, if Sally is this woman, Christy, for you, who bought this $25,000 over the last year, and, you know, she's your EIC, so you're following her on social, you're keeping in touch, you're liking her photos. And then when your reminder comes up every three months or so to reach out, you can start with, you know, hey, it was incredible to see your recent travel, like seeing our pieces travel with you is just so beautiful. And that's it. Like you're really just having that conversation as you would with a genuine friend. And then we put on this other hat and move it towards jewelry or move it towards whatever it is that you're selling. And instead of saying, Hey, look at this. What we're saying is I've got a new you know, piece of clothing that's coming out. It hasn't even hit social media yet. Would you like to see a photo of it? 
So we're building that intrigue. We're having what I like to refer to as micro conversations, especially when we're working with affluent buyers, they're quite busy, right? They have more money than they do time. So the more that we can drip out little bits of conversation, that's really when we will be able to keep that conversation going. And who doesn't want to see a little bit of the behind the scenes of a piece of jewelry, of a piece of clothing that hasn't even yet been released, a little bit of that like peek behind the scenes with us. And that's really where we can sell without selling, right? It's really about being there for those people when they are ready to purchase and adding that entry, just as you would selling in person. And that's really at the core of what we do. I sold jewelry for many years in person. So everything that I've adapted from that in-person experience, I bring to the online space. And I would never kind of come at you with a big monologue about why my product is so great. I would make sure it was a back and forth conversation. I think that's the biggest thing when we're feeling like we might be pushy or salesy is actually just being educational and really making sure we're talking about the benefits. I think it's so easy to talk about the features of our products. And we see this all the time. I'm sure you do too in product descriptions that are so kind of feature oriented around what the material is, what the size is, but we aren't also talking about the benefits, like why someone would love this piece. And the more we can incorporate that into our, you refer to it as your customer love department, right? The more we can train our client telling people, right? Whoever is on the front lines to do that as we're selling in DM, but also as we're building out these larger programs, that's really when it becomes really natural. We're really putting those relationships first and the sales we find come really naturally on the other end. Yeah. I think that's some really great advice for anybody who feels a little bit shy to like sell. It's just like, we always talk about too in customer love around like just speaking to people like they're friends of yours or like real human beings, because oftentimes customer service, especially online is very depersonalized. So it's very easy for people to kind of go, you know, lose tone and what somebody's meaning in, in a conversation and stuff like that. So I love that, that idea of really leading with value, with connection. I talk a lot about that with like email marketing too, and like leading with an offer that it really brings value to that person's life versus just like giving them a one-off discount to free shipping or something like that. Like when you were talking, I was thinking about a store in Canada that I don't know if you've heard of, cause it's not really that big in the States. I don't think called Aritzia. And they're, Oh, a- I love, yeah, I love okay. Aritzia. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they're, they do a lot of clienteling out of their retail stores and it's kind of like for the people who are very big spenders, I think at the store as well. I don't know what the minimum is, but, and they're kind of like their VIP insiders. So anytime like they want to size like 27 and those citizen jeans, they call like Sarah at the store and she'll find them no matter where they are, get them shipped to the store and get them like ready for pickup like the next day. So it's like this VIP service. And again, not discounting. Aritzia doesn't really discount. Their sales are like one cent off, but offering value. Like, you know, that customer is probably really busy. They could probably go online and do that themselves. But, you know, having that person, Sarah, at the store do it for them is really a value-added service. So I think thinking of those types of ways that we can integrate that, those kind of services aren't really selling, but it's really bringing value to the interaction that that person is having with your brand as well. A hundred percent. I love that example. And it is Ryan Sterhart, who is, we take a lot of our cues, our concierge on our team is actually comes from high-end real estate. And Ryan Sterhart 
is New York based and he is a high-end real estate guy. And love that I'm show. Guessing, love it. I, I know, know the show's great. Mm-hmm. The book is great. Big money energy. He does really great stuff. And he has a quote that people don't like to buy necessarily, but they love to shop with friends. And that really is the more you can align yourself. And actually when I worked in the physical jewelry store, we would do this a lot where we'd actually leave from behind the counter and go stand on the other side of the counter. And the more that you can kind of visualize that, even in the online space, how can I align myself with this person? What do they care about? I think a lot of us feel like, oh, the only thing is discounting, but you just had a beautiful story about how actually saving time is a huge value add and something that someone would be thrilled to just pay for and have that happen. So it could be, you know, as you're thinking of building this into your own business, starting to think through what does that, you know, top of my client list really care about? What are their buying habits? How could I enhance their lives? That doesn't include discounting, doesn't even necessarily include a free gift, but really is this service space where they maybe get, you know, first picks of limited runs of things where they get a personal call and co-shopping with you as a new collection comes out. Like there's so many different things here And it really is, but it has to be limited, right? I think when you hear this type of strategy, you're like, okay, cool. And I can scale it out, but that's really where we actually want to have it feel very exclusive, very limited and sustainable for you to keep doing because the magic is really in this becoming quite repetitious in its brilliance, right? Where you just keep building on this year after year and you're building these customers really for life. And it is, as you said, a big differentiator. Mm, yeah, totally. And listening to you, this is such a timely podcast. I'm just thinking through our whole program and we shut it down. Well, we put it into actually something that would probably horrify you. We put it into a Clavio email that goes out once a month. Now that's somewhat personalized, but not, you know, the same system at all. I can definitely think of a million mistakes that I made in my program that I want to like maybe rejig. And for sure, I think probably the top one that I'm thinking of is that limited and like that ability to kind of accept that maybe this channel isn't going to scale to the degree that like Facebook ads will, but the ROI and the benefit and the retention that you get out of the customer retention you get out of this channel is, is really great. And it's definitely trackable. Like, I don't know what some of your customers are using, but we use gorgeous for our customer love inbox management and it's a help desk tool. And you can track converted sales by agent. So you can track how many people are purchasing from links put up by, you know, um, Sarah in her email or whatever. So it's definitely something you can measure for sure. So there's no loss of time there, I think. 100%. And I think it's really, it's both and. Like this strategy, we teach a strategy where the more visible you are, the more conversations you have, the more sales you'll have. And again, that is really at the highest end of the market no one's going online to buy a $30,000 ring without having a conversation or very, very rarely. I think that's a big myth in the jewelry industry that, oh, I've built this website. Now people, why aren't people checking out on this website? Whereas jewelry is quite a technical purchase. They're usually having that conversation. And I really think that, you know, we can keep doing ads, we can keep doing mass email marketing, but what we've really found is if we can also add in and identify how big can we create this department? Who's managing it? Whose job is this? Are they making time for it? Are we prioritizing this? But if we can integrate that one-on-one communication, and as you said, Christy, through various ways, it's very trackable. One of my clients, I just got off the phone with her. She was in the process of selling a $225,000 pair of diamond earrings. 
through this type of strategy of, you know, proactively reaching out, having that conversation and inviting them in to take a look at that. And it really is when we can see this mass marketing that we're doing through Facebook ads, Instagram ads, email marketing, and really match it with what our most affluent clients on our list really deeply care about. That's when I always picture it like a big elephant, like walking, right? Where you have both those legs moving, like having that strategy of mass marketing, getting more people in the door. But once they're in, what am I doing to make sure those people who are these bigger spenders are staying and feel really seen, heard, and acknowledged? Yeah, totally agree. So before we, I really love this conversation. I could talk to you with you for like hours, I think, but I'm trying to keep I my too. Know. concise, which is an ongoing practice for me as my listeners know. So before we jump into the hot seat questions and wrap up, I just want to give you a chance to talk about, you know, what you're working on. So I know you mentioned you work with a bunch of clients. Maybe you can just talk a little bit about how you work with clients and what kind of programs and, and stuff you've got going on. Sure. So I run a year-long incubator called the High-End Sales Society, and it's all about taking this very brief pieces of what we've talked about and creating the systems and procedures around creating this role in your company, this luxury client concierge role, and really empowering it if it's you who's currently in this luxury client concierge role, if you're still a solo you know, product-based person. Or if you have an assistant and you want to empower them to step into this level of client concierge. And that really is, you know, the focus of what we do and teach is how can we make sure this is all systematized, your gifting programs, your communication programs, your sales programs are all very systematized. So you can typically pass that off to someone who then takes that position over. So I have a free masterclass that's all about how to sell to the affluent. And that is on my homepage, uh, which is KathleenCutler.com. Awesome. So we're going to put all the links to Kathleen's website and her social media in the show notes. So if you missed out on that, don't worry, check the link in the podcast show notes and you'll get to it to my website, christysumer.com. So let's jump into a few hot seat questions. So for these questions, just respond with the first thing that comes top of mind to you. What's one non-negotiable step in your personal morning routine? I love this because I have a toddler. So I have a three-year-old and <laughs> it's coffee, Christy. <laughs> it's coffee. <laughs> if you had an extra thousand dollars in your business right now, what would you spend it on? They would be gifts for clients and colleagues. We have a big gifting program and I just, it lights me up so much. I'm surprised at how many people say that. <laughs> like almost all the business owners I've asked that question to, they always want to give something to their staff. And I just think it's, huh. it really speaks to the type of people get on the show and how lovely they are as human beings and, t- and coaches and leaders. That's, that's just amazing. What's your favorite podcast on your podcast list right now? I love Marketing to Millionaires by Kelly O'Neill. She has such market-driven research on selling to the affluent, and it's incredible. Oh, interesting. I've never heard of that one. Marketing Mm -hmm. to Millionaires. Okay, we'll have to look that one up. And lastly, a clothing-related question. If you could wear one outfit on repeat for the rest of your life, what would it be? It's a wrap dress. I mean, I am wearing one right now, and it is a wrap dress. That is my go-to. Awesome. That's such a classic silhouette and really timeless, just like Diane von Furstenberg, you know, from this little cap sleeve. Yeah. Yeah. Cap sleeve, nipped waist. I'm yeah, I'm in, I'm wearing it right now. (laughs) Awesome. 
Well, I've really enjoyed talking to you. And I think you dropped some amazing tips and tricks on turning relationship into revenue. Where can people find you online? Where's the best place to connect with you? So I'm on Instagram, Kathleen Cutler, and LinkedIn is another place to connect and my website. So I'd really encourage anyone who has, you know, who had some ideas here around selling to the affluent, uh, this, I have a whole masterclass on turning relationships into revenue. Wonderful. So thank you so much. And let's stay in touch. It's so great to have this conversation today. I can't wait to hear from your reinvigorated client concierge program. (laughs) And yes, if if anybody's listening to this and found this episode to be a hit for you and really resonate, feel free to tag both Kathleen and myself on Instagram. Our links are in the bio. Thanks again, Kathleen. Appreciate your time. So good to be here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Brave and Boss, the podcast. If you want to take your e-commerce brand to the next level, be sure to check out my website at christysumer.com, where you can find all the show notes, free resources, and blog posts and principles to help you grow your online store. You can also follow me at K-R-I-S-T-I-S-O-O-M-E-R on Instagram. Find your purpose, make it happen. I'll talk to you soon.